and welcome to Sunday Sermons from the Williamsburg Community Chapel, brought to you by the Chapel Podcast Network. Let's open our Bibles to Habakkuk chapter 1, verse 5, as we prepare to hear from lead pastor Travis Simone as he delivers a sermon on what he says is his favorite verse in the whole Bible. Look among the nations, the prophet cries. Look and see, wonder and be astounded. For I am doing a work in your days that you would not believe if told. Some other translations highlight different aspects of the verse. The New American Standard says, be horrified, be frightened, speechless. The New English Bible says, I will astonish you, and I love this word. I will astonish you and stun you. You'll be stunned. Eugene Peterson in the message, always poetic, writes, look around at the godless nations. Look long and hard. Brace yourself for a shock. Something is about to take place, and you are going to find it hard to believe. And what is about to take place is God is about to use the Babylonian empire. He is about to take the Babylonians and use them to bring about his purposes for his people. And it's so hard to believe because you you read in verses of 5 through 11, you read this description of the Babylonians. How could God be using the Babylonians? says in verse 11 that they sweep by like the wind and go on. Guilty men whose own might is their God. How could God use such an idolatrous nation to bring about his purposes with his people? One person wrote a book about these nations that conquered God's people. And the book was entitled Piles of Slain. Heaps of corpses. It's a real page turner. Piles of slain. Heaps of corpses. But that is the character of these invading armies. They have no regard for life. And yet, God looks at Habakkuk and says, Look among the nations and see. Wonder and be astounded from doing a work in your days that you would not believe if told. I'm raising up the Babylonians. Chaldeans is another word for Babylonians. And so I see the message of Habakkuk to be this. Look for what God is up to. Look for what God is up to. When you're confused, look for what God is up to. When you're hurt, look for what God is up to. When you're frustrated, look for what God is up to. When you've been waiting longer than you think you should have been waiting, look for what God is up to. I think about our kids worshiping with us today, and I just say, just thank you for leading me in worship this morning. Sometimes when you worship with your body like that, you, you get a whole new picture of God. I think about what you've experienced the past few years in school My daughter, one of them, is in third grade. So first grade, school got shut down. 
Second grade was mostly online. Third grade is all in masks. People are wondering, what do I do when school is like this, when school just isn't normal, when it just is hard to learn like that? What should I do? The prophet Habakkuk says, look, look for what God is up to. I visited with Patricia and Alan McDonald on Christmas Eve, maybe about an hour before he passed away. And I had to look in the eyes of a woman who was going to lose her husband on Christmas Eve and to promise her to look. God is up to something in your life. Alan will have the most spectacular Christmas celebration of his life. Look, look for what God is up to, even when it's difficult to believe. And I believe that not just the message of Habakkuk is to look for what God is up to, but if we look at Habakkuk's life and how he goes about writing this book and putting it all together, it is how. It teaches us how to look for what God is up to. You see, the prophet Habakkuk is different than all of the other prophetic books in that most of the prophetic books reveal God's word to his people. That you hear the prophets going around saying things like, thus saith the Lord, and they, they listen for what God says, and they report what God says to the people. Not the prophet Habakkuk. The prophet Habakkuk is his words back to God about his frustration with how God is working. It's a totally different type of dialogue. And so if we look at Habakkuk's words, I believe we will see that we too, we will learn how to look for what God is up to in the midst of the difficult times in our lives. The first thing I believe Habakkuk has to share is trust, trust that there is a meanwhile. And I'll tell you where I get that word meanwhile from in a moment, but, but trust that there is a meanwhile. That is, God says to Habakkuk, instructs him, commands him to look around and to see. God then tells Habakkuk, I'm up to something. I'm up to something in a way that you would never imagine I am up to it. I'm using these Babylonians, that there is always purposes behind what God is doing in the world, even when he's using Babylonians. I said this was my favorite verse, and I know preachers are prone to say lots of things are their favorite verses. This really is it, Habakkuk 1.5, but I'll give you another one that's in my top three at least, from Genesis chapter 37. That Joseph's story, Joseph's brothers have faked Joseph's death because they are afraid to tell their dad that they have accidentally uh, ended up selling him into slavery, into Egypt. And so they come down, they tell their dad that their son is dead. They, they show him his coat of many colors. They have dipped it in the blood of an animal. And this is Joseph, excuse me, this is Jacob's response. It says, and he identified it and said, it is my son's robe. 
A fierce animal has devoured him. Joseph is, without doubt, torn to pieces. Joseph is, without doubt, Jacob says. No doubt in my mind. He's torn to pieces. My son is dead. He goes into mourning. Just a couple verses later, you read this great word in Genesis 37, 38. Meanwhile, meanwhile, the Midianites had sold him in Egypt to Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard. Well, well Jacob says, without a doubt, I have no doubt that tragedy has come to my family. God has a word, and that word is, meanwhile, Meanwhile, I'm at work. I'm moving Joseph into position, into the, the house of a, a powerful man where Joseph will actually get to know Pharaoh so that later on when Pharaoh needs his dreams interpreted, Joseph has an audience with him. And the great irony of the story is that though Jacob declares without a doubt Joseph is dead, it is Joseph that saves Jacob, his entire family, and all of God's people from death in a famine years later precisely because he was sold into slavery. If you're looking for how you might look for what God is up to, trust, trust. There is always a meanwhile. God is up to something behind the scenes. Look for what God is up to. Trust God enough to be honest with him. Habakkuk prays some bold prayers. As I mentioned earlier, Habakkuk works differently than all of the other prophetic books. He's not saying, thus saith the Lord. He's saying, thus saith Habakkuk, back to God. Here's some of his words to God. Chapter, chapter 2, verse 13. Excuse me, chapter 1, verse 13. You who are of purer eyes than to see evil and cannot look at wrong, why do you idly look at traitors and remain silent when the wicked swallows up the man more righteous than he? Habakkuk asked the question that we all ask God. Why? Habakkuk says, why do you look idly? You might say, God, why do I still feel this way? Why do I still struggle with this? Why is this relationship not reconciled? Why, God, why do you look idly at traitors? Why do you remain silent while the wicked destroy those more righteous than them? We can trust God enough to be honest with him. It is through the pouring out of his heart and soul that Habakkuk actually gets God's answer to hear what God is actually up to. There's some beautiful words that, uh, beautifully painful words that Habakkuk shares with God. There's a great image in verse 14 of chapter one. He says, you make mankind like the fish of the sea, like crawling things that have no ruler. Translation, God, you've made humankind, you've made us feel like animals. We, we feel like crawling things, like we're, we're rolling on the ground on our bellies. We're just crawling like we have no one to guide us. 
He continues on with this great picture of mankind like fish in the sea. Habakkuk says, he brings all of them up with a hook. He drags them out with his net. He gathers them in his dragnet, so he rejoices and is glad. Habakkuk says, you know what it feels like to live right now, God? It feels like I'm a fish caught in a net. A man is, is trawling with a great net behind him. He's just sweeping the fish up into that net. I can't get out. I'm stuck. I'm trapped. And look at what the man says in verse 17. Is he then to keep on emptying his net and mercilessly killing nations forever? Habakkuk says, how long are you going to let him drag the net, God? How long are you going to let this killing go on? We must trust God enough to be honest with him. For it is in being honest with God that God is then able to eventually get to the point where he can say to us, are you done now? Have you exhausted everything inside of you? Are you willing to listen? Which brings me to our third point. Trust God will speak in due time. So climb the tower. Trust God will speak in due time. So climb the tower. After chapter one, which is mostly filled with Habakkuk's complaints back to God, Habakkuk says in chapter two, verse one, I will take my stand at the watch post and station myself on the tower and look out to see what he will say to me and what I will answer concerning my complaint. Habakkuk finally wears himself out and says, okay, God, it's your turn. I'm gonna climb up on a tower, he says, and I'm going to watch from there and see if I can't get a better vantage point, a better view of what you might, what you are up to, what you might be doing in the world. I might get a better, have a better listening ear from that greater altitude. If you want to have a vibrant relationship with God, I would suggest at least a couple times of year making sure you take a moment to get up on a watchtower. Get away from it all. Turn all of the notifications off on your phone and get alone with a Bible and a prayer journal in a cabin somewhere, in a camping chair in a field, out on a beach and just say, okay, God, I've said everything I know to say. And use that great prayer from the book of Samuel. Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. Verse three, God responds to, of chapter two, God actually responds to Habakkuk sitting in the tower and says, for still the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. Trust God will speak in due time. So climb the tower. How to look for what God is up to. Finally, worship while you wait to constantly remind yourself to keep Trusting God. 
after Habakkuk spends this time up on the tower, after he, he hears this message from God that God is, in fact, going to use the Babylonians to conquer God's people, as he contemplates the pain that this will entail and accepts that this is indeed what God is going to do, in verse 16 of chapter 3, we read these words. I hear and my body trembles. My lips quiver at the sound. Rottenness enters my bones. My legs tremble beneath me. Yet, I will quietly wait for the day of trouble to come upon people who invade us. Habakkuk says, my body is shaking. My lips are quivering. My legs are trembling. And yet, here's what I'm going to do, God. I'm going to quietly wait. And in order to quietly wait, look at what Habakkuk does. He worships. If you see the last verse of Habakkuk, you see it ends. How does the book end? It says, to the choir master with stringed instruments. And I told you if you had the ESV app, here's your, here's your payoff. There should be a little footnote, a little number one on that stringed instruments. Click on it. And one of the reasons we chose the English Standard Version as our primary Bible translation, it's very transparent to the original text of Hebrew and, and Greek. And they have great footnotes to help understand when something might need to be translated a little differently, but they have to choose one or the other. They have great footnotes. You click on that string footnote and you'll see, to the choir master with my stringed instruments. This is a song Habakkuk is singing personally to sustain him through this time of great trouble. And this has been our series this Advent season. Rich started us off looking at Zechariah in the temple. Zechariah who had been waiting for God to intervene and redeem his people. Waiting for his, him and his wife Elizabeth to be able to, to bear a child. And, and Rich said, we worship while we wait. That that was the message of Zechariah. We worship while we wait. And so we started looking at what Tommy called the original Christmas albums. I loved how you said it in the prayer, Tommy. Hunter said that, but what you just said in your prayer, said, inspired by the Holy Spirit, recorded in God's word, the Bible. We have these great Christmas songs from Zechariah, from Mary, from the angels, from Simeon. Blessed be the God of Israel. My soul magnifies the Lord. Glory to God in the highest. Now let your servant depart in peace. And we said, worship, we worship while we wait because worship is what sustains our surrender. Mary looked at the angel and said, behold, let it be unto me as you have declared. But immediately she ran off to her relative Elizabeth's house to receive confirmation of the word of the angel and to burst into worshipful song because worship is what sustains our surrender. So while Habakkuk looks for what God is up to by trusting there is a meanwhile, trusting God is trusting God enough to be honest with him, 
trusting that God will speak in due time. So he climbs a tower and finally Habakkuk worships while he waits to remind himself to constantly keep trusting God. And I'll read Habakkuk's worship song. I won't make any comment. It needs no comment. Inspired by the Holy Spirit, recorded here in God's word, this is Habakkuk's song of worship. Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit beyond the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and yet and fields yield no food, the flock be cut off from the field, and there be no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God the Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on my high places to the choir master with my stringed instruments. Today, in the season of the church year, marks the beginning of the season of Epiphany, which commemorates the wise men's journey to meet Jesus from the east. That they saw a great star in the sky. This is what they report to King Herod when they arrive in Jerusalem. In, in Matthew chapter 2, they look at Herod and they say, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose in the east. They saw the star. They were looking for what God is up to and they saw the star. And I find it fascinating that they're the only ones, as far as we know, that took the journey. That people all over the world saw that star, but only those wise men took the journey. You see Habakkuk 1.5, he says, look among the nations, but not everyone who looks sees. The, the wise men looked for what God was up to, and they saw that God was the God of all nations, that in their day, most people believed that God was God over a small territory, that there could be a God of Israel and a God of Babylon all at the same time, and that need not be a contradiction. God was God in Israel, and he lost his jurisdiction when it moved over to Babylon. But the wise men looked for what God was up to, and they saw there was one true God over all of the universe, over all of humanity. The wise men looked for what God was up to, and they saw that salvation was available to all people. So they journeyed toward salvation in Jesus Christ. The wise men looked for what God was up to, and though they were kings themselves, they, they saw that kings of this earth are but a shadow of the one true king, God himself. They looked and saw that God was worthy of sacrificial gifts of the highest value, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. They looked and they saw that God can be trusted as they were warned in a dream not to go back to Herod. They departed for their country, not by their familiar route that they'd already gone, but they departed another way. 
The book of Habakkuk begins with this word, an oracle. An oracle that the prophet Habakkuk saw. That word oracle in Hebrew can also be translated burden. Habakkuk saw a great burden. Seeing what God is up to in the world sometimes can bring us a burden. And we all bring burdens with us to worship today. But this burden that Habakkuk bore pointed to the gospel of Jesus Christ. For Habakkuk is the first person to record that the righteous will live by faith, which is how Paul summarizes the gospel in his book, Romans, the letter to the Romans, his greatest explanation of what the gospel is. Romans 1.17 quotes Habakkuk, that the righteous will live by faith, that Habakkuk looked for what God was up to and he saw that God was up to a new thing, that God's people would not be justified by works of the law or how holy they could be on their own, but they would be justified by faith and trust in the God who would ultimately deliver them from Babylon and from sin. My wife works for a really interesting organization She works for The Bible Project. They make online YouTube videos that explain very complicated aspects of the Bible in ways that uh, lots of people, everyday people can understand them. They're just wonderful resources. And their whole purpose they exist as an organization is to help people experience the Bible as a unified story that leads to Jesus. She's a writer for them and helps them get these materials out to as many people as possible. One of their posts the other day uh, just struck me as we consider the Christmas season. Jesus was born in a dirty stable on an ordinary night. The entire story of the Bible points toward a Savior, but nobody expected him to arrive how he did. Jesus came to rescue us And he did it by turning the whole world order upside down. This Christmas, no matter what your celebrations look like, we hope you find joy in the story of Jesus and see God's kingdom arrive in the last place you'd think to look. God often arrives in the last place we'd think to look like an invading Babylonian army or like a baby helpless in a manger scene, the almighty in a quite unmighty state. So as we enter the season of epiphany and look to the new year, will we look for what God is up to and see and wonder and be astounded For God is doing a work in our days, I believe, that we might not believe, even if we were told, unless we look and see what God is up to. Thank you for joining us today. Here at the Williamsburg Community Chapel, we are all about making disciples of Jesus Christ. So wherever you are on your spiritual journey, We are excited to help you connect to Christ and His community. Have a blessed day.